This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Hey, everyone, it's Chloe, and this episode is one that you will be familiar with because every year we love to put together just some of our favorite moments and create a mashup of sorts for If Gathering because in just three days, we'll be If Gathering 2024 at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth. But guess what? While there are people in person, the real magic of If is you guys in your places, in your if locals all over the world. So make sure that you mark your calendar and go now. You can go to if2024.com to get more information, drop your email in. Today's episode is just a taste of the kinds of teachings and moments that will happen over the weekend. And especially this one, there is going to be an announcement of epic proportion on Saturday. So truly do not miss it. Go to if2024.com to get more information, drop your email in, and we will make sure to link all of it in the show notes. After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and he told them, I find no guilt in him. So in this moment, Pilate kind of identified what his truth was. He's like, I don't think this man's guilty. There's nothing I see here that's a problem. You know, I think everything's cool. Let's move on. And then he said, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at Passover. So do you want for me to release to you the king of the Jews? It's almost like this seemed obvious, right? You want me to release to you the king of the Jews? I don't find guilt in him. Isn't this like a very obvious decision? And they said, no, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. And we read this story, and doesn't that just sound crazy? Like, here Jesus is, he's healing the sick, he is literally making the blind people see, he's feeding five thousand, he's doing incredible things. Pilate's even like, there is nothing wrong here. I don't see any guilt in him. Don't you just wanna turn him back over? I mean, is it really that bad? And they're all saying, no, not that man, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. And you see, we know how the story ends. We know what Pilate did. We know that he gave them Barabbas and we know that Jesus was crucified. And you see, that's what happens when you don't have a foundation of truth. Whatever the majority says is true becomes true to you. You see, Pilate knew that Jesus was not guilty. Pilate knew that he was a savior. Pilate knew there's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong here. But because the crowd said, give us Barabbas, all of a sudden, the truth changed and Barabbas was released and Jesus was crucified. I think we have a generation who just lets the majority rule. Whatever Urban Dictionary votes is the truth. Whatever TikTok says, is the truth. Whatever the Snapchat article reads is the truth. Whatever the news headline is, is the truth. And it doesn't matter if we fact check it, that's just true. We don't need to fact check it. That's how we're gonna live our life. Even if it's leading us to destruction, even if it's no good for our life, even if we literally don't even recognize ourselves anymore, if everyone says it's true, that it must be true. It's scary. Proverbs 16, I mean, sorry, 12, 15 says this, the fool is right in his own eyes. But the wise man listens to advice. 
I don't wanna be a generation of fools thinking that we're right all the time, thinking that our truth is the best thing for our life. You know, you read this story too, and you say, you know, this makes no rational sense. Like even if Jesus was bothering them, that is actually dangerous that they would put Barabbas back on the streets. Like he's actually a criminal. This doesn't even make sense. Why would they do this? But here's the thing, your truth is not really concerned with what makes sense. It's not really concerned with what, you know, is better for you in the long run. Your truth is always going to seek what is the most comfortable thing in the moment. Your truth is gonna feed your pleasure. Your truth is gonna feed your feelings. Your truth is gonna be the thing that makes you comfortable. And Jesus made them so uncomfortable because your truth allows you to stay the same. The truth requires change. The truth requires submission. The truth requires you to lay down, to repent, to turn, and to follow in Him. And we don't wanna do that. We wanna live our truth. You know, there's a scripture, I'm gonna read it to y'all in John 8. And it is so powerful. And Jesus just lays out the fact that He is the truth. It says this, if you abide in my word, you are my disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you're in my word, you are my disciple. And then if you're in me, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What happens when we seek God? In so many different ways, when we say we're not gonna go through the motions not that, not that normal means of grace are not glorious. They are, like just daily Bible reading, prayer, so many different things that we do. But the purpose in all of it is to meet with God, to taste and see God, like more and more and more of God. Do we want more of Him? Is He really the goal that this is all about? Or is He just a means to an end for us? See, just a means to an end. Like where we do all this stuff so that we feel better, so we have this, so we have that. Or do we really want God? I've just been so overwhelmed in my own life as we've walked through all these different things this week. I'm sitting here, we, I've got, we got Ann out here holding the sheep. <laughs> and this picture of Jesus as our shepherd, we got shepherd, guy who's who's sharing like straight truth about what it means to love sheep and he's he's not a perfect shepherd he's, we're talking about the perfect shepherd of our souls and I'm just thinking let's seek him let's call out to him there are so many needs in this room in our lives I mean, I was just sharing some of the overflow of things in my own heart. But I, I look around. This room, I think about all the different people and all the different places and all the things you're walking through right now. And God sees it all. And he loves you. He's, he's the shepherd who's brought you here to give you this invitation. Come to the waters and drink. Come, seek me, incline your ear to me, and live. 
Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on the Lord while he is near. He's near now. Not somewhere else in this room and all the 3,000 places we're gathered. He's near right now. So do we want to seek him? And I just want to, I, I want to provide opportunity for whatever that needs to look like at 3,500 different places. And I certainly don't want to say exactly what that should look like. I just want to invite you. What do you need to repent of? It's not play games. This is not come into a weekend, go to a conference, kind of go into the next day, what's going to be like? And we're just not being honest about sin that we're holding on to in our hearts. Not pour out our, our burdens to our God who's able to handle them and heal and restore and forgive. And it's the beauty in Isaiah 55 for he is full of compassion and he will abundantly pardon. And this is amnesty night. <laughs> you get freedom from all your sins that you confess to God tonight. Because of Jesus, because of our good shepherd, he's laid down his life for us. He's laid down his life for his sheep. He's laid down his life to make it possible for you and I to know God in all of his glory. And so I just want to encourage, I don't presume to know what that looks like in this room, 3,500 other places, but what does repentance need to look like where you're gathered right now? What does confession need to look like? What does intercession need to look like? What does worship need to look like? You don't have to have a, a band to worship. So what does that need to look like? I don't know what it looks like in all these places, but I, as best as I can tell, know one thing. God, in this moment, I believe, is inviting some people to follow him as shepherd for the first time in your life. Or maybe for the first time in a long time. So could I just ask you the question right where you're sitting? Can I just ask you the question wherever you are right now? Do you have an intimate, personal relationship with God through Jesus? Do you actually know Jesus as your shepherd, as the shepherd of your life? Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for the last year and a half, I've been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel energized and strong and ready to take on the day. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. I can truly notice a difference if I go even one, two, or three days without drinking AG1 because every single morning with AG1, I know I'm getting essential brain, gut, and immune health support with all of my vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients covered, especially when I travel 
and I'm on the go, AG1 covers my bases with high quality ingredients, and I know if I drink it daily, I'm going to feel that extra boost. The thought of taking a whole handful of vitamins and supplements every single morning sounds exhausting, but just one daily scoop of AG1 covers all of my nutrient gaps and supports my mental and physical health without all the hassle. So in 60 seconds every morning, I know I'm giving my body what it needs and setting up a sustainable habit for the long run. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com made for this. That's drinkag1.com made for this. Check it out. Well, team, I got things to say. So first, I'm commissioning you to like God again, to like God again. The reason I chose Psalm 23 as what we would talk about for these days is because in my exhaustion, in my discouragement, in the trials that my husband and I are facing that would cause me to come to a place of desolation where I would not wanna keep going. In those moments, Psalm 23 is a whole different song over my life than the suffering of this world. It is making promises to me that I am safe, that I am with God, that He is taking care of me, that He sees me, that He loves me, that He's with me, that He's kind to me. And guys, some of you are living every day of your life as if God is totally disappointed in you. And who wants to be around a dad or a God that is disappointed in them all the time? like God again. And for some of you, that is going to take digging up and digging out the places that you are wrestling with Him. And guess what? He is just fine with that. He is completely comfortable with you wrestling with Him. He is, in fact, I believe He blesses wrestling with Him. You see that with Jacob. They go to war. They go fighting together and and, and God blesses him. There is something about the intimacy of wrestling. I just have experienced it, y'all. My son is a wrestler. It is the stupidest sport I have ever seen. It is awkward. I blur my eyes. I look like I'm watching, but I'm not. I can't see because it's disgusting. They're, They're all so sweaty and they are on the mat. And you know, all my life I have tried to break up moments like this and all of a sudden I'm cheering for it. Like this is odd, but there is an intimacy. Like when you wrestle with God, there is an intimacy to that. Why was David a man after God's own heart? It's because he told him what was in his heart. He brought everything he was feeling to God and God continued to be enough and not disappointed in him. He is not a disappointed father. He's actually the safest place you could ever be. One of my kids walked up to me. I was about to come out with David last night, right? I mean, about to go on stage and says, mom, I need to tell you something. And I'm thinking, oh no, what? I'm busy. (laughs) He said, it can't wait. And he confesses a sin that he had struggled with that day. I don't know who paid him to do that. And I stop everything 
And I grab him and I'm like, hey, guess what? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. You get to sin. Thank you for telling me. This is what we do. I am not a disappointed mother. I'm so glad he has to grab me and say, this is what I'm struggling with. He's not disappointed in you and we have to get our relationship with God right. Why? Because how our relationship with God goes is how our whole life is going to go. A.W. Tozer says, many of you have heard it, we get God in his right place and a thousand problems get solved all at once. And I don't know about y'all, but I would love a thousand problems to get solved all at once. Like God again. Second one, be a kid. Matthew 18 says, the disciples talking to Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put the child in their midst and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Whoever humbles himself like the chi- this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I picture the church right now and it's angry and divided. It has agendas and it's got a plan. And, and y'all, kid, you know, Jesus is saying, hey, I want y'all to all become like little kids. And any of you that have little kids right now or you're around little kids right now, they are indiscriminate. They don't care what's happening, i.e. backstage. They, they don't care what, what is going on. They don't care who you are. They care if you have things for them. But they don't care if you're important or not. They don't know who is important. There's nothing about kids that, that are all about comparing and thinking about what else somebody else is doing. They exist for themselves. And they exist for the person that loves them the most. It's like my dog right now. Whoever loves that dog the most and gives that dog the most peanut butter is who the dog loves the most. But there is something about that innocence and naivety that I would love for the church in America and the world to reclaim right now, that we would become like little kids again. What's next? What are we doing now? Let's go. I can't wait. God, what are you going to do? Oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. We could use a little bit of that, church, because I think God is starting to show off in pretty big ways right now. And we don't want to miss it with our arms crossed in the back row. I would rather be the naive kid in the front that is wrong than the person in the back that is cynical. Would we become, would our hearts want God again? And the other thing about little kids is (laughs) they're needy. They're so needy. I want to be that with God. And, And I'll tell you, in the last few months, what God's done in my heart is he's given me two questions. It was, God, what do you want me to know? And God, what do you want me to do? And what's funny is those two questions have been incredibly helpful as I look back at why I was so tired. When I look back at why I was so tired, it wasn't necessarily what I was carrying because I knew God was carrying it. I knew he was moving. I knew he was doing it. It's that I was trying to figure out what to do next. I was trying to figure out how to solve the problems. And and it was like when God gave me those two questions, I just got to be a kid again. I just got to be a kid and say, okay, God, I'm in this conversation. It's going terrible. We're in a conflict. This person's furious with me. God, what do you want me to know? God, what do you want me to do? And the answers to those two questions have seemed to come more often when I'm asking them 
God, what do you want me to know and what do you want me to do? What if I told you outside of accepting Jesus Christ, those two questions, this book and a few people are about all you need. You need some running buddies. You need this book and you need the Spirit of God leading you. We're looking at a time in the church where we need to see a movement of spirit coupled with truth. When we see both, there have been times I have seen spirit and something feels missing. There have been times I have seen truth and something for sure feels missing. For what is coming, what I believe is coming, and and let me just be clear, I don't know if Jesus is coming back, but it is clear that we are in one of the darkest generations that has ever lived. Now, not the darkest, there is nothing new under the sun, but the rate at which things are troubling is picking up, it's picking up. The darkness we have to face on a given day, on a Tuesday in our lives is pretty dark. And because of the internet, which God bless it, we are so glad you are with us because without the internet, we would not be able to be with you in your living rooms, in your churches. But the internet has caused us to be carrying things that are too heavy for our souls to carry. But God knew, God knew. He's not surprised by the internet. He knew in 2023 that we would be gathering and processing heavy things together. He knew, and He wants us to stay like little kids. Now, some of you, before we leave this point, also need to grow up. Some of you still think that it is legalistic to be disciplined. Some of you believe that there is a way to make everything in your life still work out exactly how you want it to. Some of you are dabbling with sin and you don't think it's a big deal. And what I have seen as I have been in this posture with God where I'm a little bit scared with what's coming, but staying close to him and and saying, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? There has been a lot of things he has called me away from that aren't very fun, that aren't very bad like shopping, alcohol, things that I use for comfort that, that he is just saying, you know what, these aren't necessarily bad things, Jenny, but, but I need you to grow up a little. I need you not to try to have a good day every day. I need you to be okay with hard. I need you to be tougher. I need you to love this more than this world. And guys, as we grow up, Parts of us grow up, parts of us stay little, trusting, needy. Parts of us grow up, we will take this more seriously. Third, what do I hope happens? We've got to help people get home. Acts 17 says, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundary places of their dwelling that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way to him. You were set in your place. You were set in your time so that perhaps people may feel their way to God. What happened last night, and even through the camera, all of you that, that love God, that saw people come to Jesus for the first time, 
who knows, hundreds, could have been thousands across the world. But think of how many of us there are. And think of each of you in your set places and your times. And if Jesus is coming back soon, then there is work to do. There is work to do. And he has set you in your allotted time and your allotted place so that perhaps people may feel their way to God. We have no greater purpose. I mean, if you really do think, what if Jesus is coming back soon? What would we do? The first thing you think of doing is going and running and getting everybody you can to know God. You are plan A. It is not from stages, though last night was incredible, but way more powerful in heaven is if actually all of you are mobilized to give away God in your places. That is the dream. That is what we pray happens. Number four, we kick the devil's booty. (laughs) Darkness is everywhere. You feel it and we gotta fight it. So we fight sin, we fight for each other, and we fight to love God most. Ephesians 6, I want to read a little paraphrase that I wrote of it because it talks about warfare and it talks about how we protect ourselves. First, remember who you are fighting. You are not fighting flesh and blood. The people who hurt you, their sting, you are not fighting them. You are fighting rulers and authorities and cosmic powers and this over this present darkness. You are fighting the forces of evil in heavenly places. You protect yourself with me. You bind truth in the front of you so when darkness comes, you remember me. You remember I'm bigger. You remember I win. You remember I am with you. Protect yourself with me and my righteousness. And then you run. You let your feet carry you into the battle, building my name, sharing my love, telling my story, showing my glory. Go, run, fight. Do not. Do not just sit there feeling sorry for yourself. Run and fight. Let your shield be faith. See, I am real. If you believe you stand with God behind you, the God of universes behind you, you will not be afraid. You may get tired, but you won't forget why this war is worth dying for. You'll keep fighting if you see me. You have me with you. I am in you. Fight bravely because I am for you and I am with you. I don't know if Jesus is coming back, but I do not want to miss a life like that.